This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Mr. Damer, how was your weekend? How are you? Larry, how are we feeling, my friend? I'm feeling great. Feeling I'm a whole feeling lot better great. than TCU oh. was feeling at this point last night, huh? Whoa. That was a close one, huh? Lost See ya. You know, they um, always say, would you rather, you know, the question, would you rather lose a, a, a nail biter? Would you rather lose a blowout? I can tell you, I'd rather watch a nail biter. I can tell you that much for sure. <laughs> I'd rather play in the nail biter. <laughs> I wouldn't want to play in the 65 7 game, Gordon. Woo. I wouldn't want to do that. That that game was over quick, fast, and in a hurry. Yes, it And was. it's really sad because, you know, up until then, college football had a really good postseason. A it lot did. of competitive games, close games. Everybody was talking, about, oh, no blowouts. Nobody get blowouts. Well, we waited till the championship game to get the blowout. Well, when they expand the field and you get more teams in there, the, the chances of the Cinderella making it to the title game will be uh, less and less. So maybe we won't have to see this again. But, boy, that was a that was an old-fashioned butt-whooping, that one. I, I tuned out. I, I couldn't, I, you know, at some point you're like, all right, I know how this is turning out. Yes, there's no comeback here. <laughs> It was, it was about 10 minutes to go in the first quarter. <laughs> it's over. Yeah, It's over. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was tough. And so if you're a college football fan, you know, you know what, Gordon? It's like the way Super Bowls used to be, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's just what happened. And keep that in mind. Keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, when next year or the year after they expand the college football field even more for the postseason. You know it's going to be more teams. You know it's going to be more. Oh, of course. You know it's going to be more. There's money to be made. You don't leave money on the table. No, not at all. Not at all. So, Gordon, nice nice weekend for Giant fans and Miami fans. You're in, Gordon. Yeah, we're in in the playoffs, right? I mean, all it took was a 50-yard field goal in the final minute against a team with nothing to play for that had lost five in a row and had Joe Flacco at quarterback. But, yeah, we're in the playoffs. You're in the playoffs. It beats the alternative. It does. It does. And for the Giants, listen, I tell you what, uh, for a team that had nothing to play for, they didn't play badly with the backups, Gordon. Those backups no, were they, right they, in No, they showed there. some heart, right? You know what? <laughs> I don't know. If um, if things might have been different, they, uh, the Giants might have won that game. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I mean, when you're talking about teams going into this uh, wild card weekend that people are, you know, everybody's looking for – for that team that's that might be able to pull off the upset that you might be able to make some money on, and it seems like right now the the Giants are the uh, the, the flavor of the day. They are the soup mm-hmm. of the day, man. They are they are a hot team right now, and the eyes of uh, the the gambling public and the eyes of uh, Giant fans, and I think a lot of people think that they're going to go into Minnesota and get that win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if Jalen Hurst doesn't play, Gordon, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's really close. Yeah, no question. Well, they had lost two before that, right? Without yeah, Jalen that's Hurst, right. so yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. So I'm curious. I don't want to wait for the next FanDuel commercial. What What do you what what what, what promo code Gordon are you thinking about as you come up for this? It's weekend? a little early in the week for me. Um, mm-hmm. I do think you know. It, it just I know you're not betting of, on Miami. No, of course not. No, not. Uh, that won't be uh, that won't be one of the. I I, I I I work too hard for my money, Larry. Even though I don't work hard, <laughs> I work too hard to be throwing it away on them. Um, I would say that, I mean, I like the Giants a lot. I do think sure. that they can go into Minnesota and, and get a win there. I agree. Um, I, I like any time I can get Tom Brady as a home underdog, you know, getting oh. points at home with Tom Brady against the Cowboys team. Oh. Um, that's wrong? another one what that I'm looking at. Them? Yeah. How did they, um, they, the commanders wipe the floor with them? 
Yeah, they did not. I, they, it almost seemed like the Cowboys thought the playoffs started last week. That's usually the performance they put up in the playoffs. <laughs> Dak true. throwing six pick sixes. Oh, God. Mistakes left and right. And, mm, um, not good. Yeah, I, I mean, again, it's a little early in the week for mm-hmm, me, mm-hmm. but right. those are two. I, I, will, I, I will say that I'll probably fade the Niners at some point because of the rookie quarterback. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, like at some point, doesn't the rookie have to look like a rookie? I don't know that it's necessarily this week. I don't know what the latest line is with the Niners, if it's 9, 10, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, boy, the Niners are absolutely rolling right now. They are. Uh, it, might, it might be. You know, if it gets up to 10, 11, uh, that might be a spot where, you know, I take the, the points and the Seahawks in that game. And then, of course, you know, listen, all he has to do is just continue to do what he's doing because the defense is playing so well. Just don't mess it up. That's yeah, just don't do. mess it don't up. Don't mess it right? up. I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know how banged up they are, but, um, mm-hmm. I mean, they've just been – They've been balling people left and right, and each week the, the lines have gotten bigger and bigger with the Niners, and they've been covering them each and every week. I mean, I think the only one they didn't cover here recently was the Raider game, and that was only because they had a, they had a lead at that one uh, late, uh, but you know the, the Raiders were able to come back two weeks ago and at least cover in that game. But, um, yeah, Niners have been rolling right now. Jaguars are a hot team. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Bills are kind of like the emotional – yeah. Uh, team of the moment, right, because of everything with DeMar Hamlin and everything mm-hmm. else. The Bengals have been flying high. So, yeah, a lot of interesting storylines. What's that? Don't forget Kansas City. Well, they're not playing this I week, but, this yeah, weekend, no, but absolutely. Kansas City, yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're – the Kansas City almost feels like LeBron's team back in the day where, like, yeah. even when they don't win, they're the favorite until they're knocked <laughs> out. Yep. You can't, you can't count them out for sure. No. Not at all. Not at all. And you're right about Buffalo, which which I don't know, Gord. I think it adds even more pressure on them, right? I mean, you're now you're the sentimental. You were the odds-on favorite to represent the AFC. Okay, now you're the sentimental favorite to represent the AFC. I mean, the pressure just continues to build on this Bills team. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't feel as good about them as I did at other times this year. Um, I, I'm not sure, you know, like um, – We'll see when, you know, I, I think that this week they will get a win. We'll have to see if Tua plays in that game. I, I, if he doesn't play, I mean, that's not even a game that you watch if he doesn't mm-hmm. play in that game. You know, at least if he plays in the game, they have a, a puncher's chance, I guess. Um, but uh, if he doesn't play, that's almost like a, a bye week for them. So, um, you know, you get past that and you see where you stand. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't get as good a feeling about Buffalo. And you're right. Buffalo, this they went into this season knowing – Super Bowl or bust. Mm-hmm. They have to win a Super Bowl this year. Now, maybe if they got to one and they didn't win, um, that that might still, you know, you could hang a, a small sliver of success on a season where you get to a Super Bowl because they don't get there that often. But, no, mm-hmm. they are a Super Bowl or bust kind of team. So they are expecting a deep playoff run this year for sure. I think it's what happens when they get there. If they get there, it's how they lose if they don't win. You know, it's how is it is, is it like Kansas City last year in the postseason, right? Is it like that? Well, you know what, oh, man, they fought hard. They'll they'll get them next year. Or, you know, the other thing is, when does your luck run out? Luck and talent. You know, some everything has fallen right for them, Gordon. They've made the right moves. They've made they've made the right acquisitions. They've improved. Their quarterback play has improved. Sometimes the best teams don't always win. Things have to fall into place. It's a long season, and health is a major issue in this in this sport. People don't like to, you know, I shouldn't say that. I've talked to some athletes and they admit it. And then other athletes, they they almost feel like you're taking a shot of them by saying it. But luck plays a factor. It does. Luck plays a factor in these games. And it's it's why they're so unpredictable. 
So, yeah, you ha- things have to break right for you, and um, that is definitely a part of it. So um, we'll see, uh, you know, who who gets uh, Lady Luck. It seems like the same teams get lucky all the time, though, you know? Yeah. The, the, the good teams get lucky. <laughs> yes, it does seem that way, right? It really does. 1-800-919-3776. When we return, we'll take your phone calls. And, Gordon, I can sleep now with peace of mind. I don't have to worry about whether Carlos Correa is coming or going or what he's doing. He is headed back to Minnesota Maybe. We'll discuss it next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon, finally, 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 I don't have to worry. I don't have to keep checking the back sports pages. What's the latest on Correa? It's going to be done quickly. The conversation is picking up. The conversation is over. (laughs) Bye-bye. Back to Minnesota with you. Well, has he passed the physical again? I mean, I don't know if we no. can say that it's definitely over until he passes the physical and we have some sort of uh, letter of authenticity that he has passed the physical. But, yes, it does look like it's over finally for um, Carlos Correa and the Mets. His Mets career, uh, <laughs> short-lived for sure. Uh, and uh, it's a very uh, it's a very interesting development today when you, you see that he is going back to Minnesota. And how would you like to be, uh, you know, Carlos Correa? Great, you know, he's, he's loaded now. He's got a contract mm-hmm. guaranteed. That yep. press conference is going to be a hoot, huh? It is. Boy, I never it wanted really to leave. Is. I really love being here. You signed with two teams. <laughs> it's about the money. It's yeah. about feeding my family, Gordon. It's about providing for my folks. It's about it's about giving the best, you know, the best protection for my for my group. And it's very simple. Uh, the twins includes a six guaranteed years and eight million dollar signing bonus and four non guaranteed years. And there was some conversation of, and I don't know about this, Gordon. I, I've heard it. I haven't read it, but there was some conversation that after the sixth guaranteed years, the Mets were requiring him to take a physical every year. That's the story that I saw as well. Yeah, yeah, to make sure that he was healthy. And you talk about a deal breaker. Scott Boris is like, oh, that's not happening with my client. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but he got he simply got more guaranteed money with the Twins. That's the surprising part yes. to me. Yeah, that he got more that that, that the Mets that Steve Cohen mm-hmm. got outbid by the Minnesota Twins. Now I, I get it, right? Like you you didn't feel good about the twelve years or the ten years or whatnot, um, but uh, that's a little surprising because they it obviously is. wanted the player. Mm-hmm. But they didn't want him at a certain price. That's not really Steve Cohen's thing. Like what he wants, he gets. And and yeah. you know, and I think that this is why fans like him. He overpays to get it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he overpaid for for Max Scherzer. He overpaid for Justin Verlander. He, he probably overpaid for 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 Brandon Nimmo. I mean, he overpays for things, and he doesn't care because he's got all the money in the world. This is the time though that he didn't overspend, and uh, as a result, they didn't get the player. Yeah, it makes you wonder what exactly is on these medical records, right? Because here's a guy who is has as you mentioned has overpaid everybody. If he wants them, he'll 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 pay mm-hmm. for them. It's very simple. I want this guy. I want you. I'll pay you. And so, the conversation, all this time that's passed. Yes. Oh, what is this? What are we saying? It, it must be really interesting to see what this what what these uh, these MRIs and X rays show. Because he wasn't really ready to pull the trigger. He gets conservative for a person who never gets conservative. 
Yeah, and, and I mean, he's the guy who was on the record. It wasn't like these are, are comments that were you know reported by this person or heard by that person. The owner went on the record and saying that we needed one more big piece. This is the piece that we needed. Yep. And now you didn't, and he didn't end up signing with the Mets. So mm-hmm. I mean, how does that how does that impact the team? Do you have to now? Do they look at it as they have to go out and make another move here? Because this was the like, – I think that the Mets, they had a good offseason. They had a good yeah. team last year. Mm-hmm. But I think the one thing that was clearly missing and why everybody got excited when they signed Correa was that was the, that was the missing piece. They needed right. a bat. They needed a significant bat to add to the order. And now that he's not here, what what's plan B? Because I think you still if – you, if you're saying when you sign him, we needed another piece, and then you end up not signing him, don't you still need another piece? No, absolutely you do. So the question becomes, are we just going to stand pat until maybe the season or the trade deadline? We're just going to roll with, what, Eduardo Escobar? And, you know, the kid showed you a little something before he got hurt in Brett Batty. Uh, so, you know, there was some talk about him being in the outfield, so maybe now he can be at third base. He'll be in that mix. Uh, so maybe that's what they'll do, and they'll table and, and play the, the trading game. So uh, th- that's where I think they have to go. I don't see any other big-time free agents you're going to sign here in this situation, Gordon. I, I don't see anybody that jumps out to me that say, oh, yeah, that's what I want. So I think that's that's the next step for them. That's where they're going to go. Yeah, And I've seen some people saying, well, you know what, the Mets, uh, they, they, they made the right move here based on the, the, you know, the, um, the, the medical concerns, the injury risk. But I don't know, like, how do you know where the injury risk is going to happen? Yeah, it could happen this year. It could happen Mm -hmm. next year. And you are willing to sign him to a sixth year. It's hard for me to believe that you're saying, well, you know what? We're worried he's going to get hurt in year four, five, or six. So we're not not as interested in signing him. I think the Mets were interested in signing him, and they just got outbid by a bigger offer by the Minnesota Twins of all team. Who probably wanted more guarantees. And and they and the Mets were looking to give some guarantees back in their favor in case he got hurt. Mm-hmm. So you know, once again, maybe they're looking at okay, I'm gonna maybe he's going to get hurt in this time. But as you mentioned, it's the same situation. You're just now saying, well, this looks really bad. Maybe it's going to happen sooner than we thought as we get more medical opinions. That's the only thing I can come up with, Gordon. Yeah, because- I, I mean, look, there, there's the, look, there are teams. We don't know which teams right now. But there are teams that have made tr- monumental mistakes this offseason. Yes. And we'll know in a year or two or three or four. Yep. Um, and this very well, the Twins very well might be one of them that made this terrible mistake. The thing with the Mets, though, was if it's a bad, if it's a bad contract five years from now, but you win a World Series this year or next, it's okay. I think, yeah, you would have made that deal. You'd, you'd, you'd roll the dice and say, okay, mm-hmm. good. Now, whatever happens, okay, we'll, we'll eat the money because right. we got the championship, and that's what we wanted. When we return, we'll take your phone calls at 1-800-919-3776. Also, Jeff Passon was on the Michael K. Show earlier today. He weighs in on what happened with Carlos Correa. And an interesting comment on who's going to be in left field for the Yankees. I know Gordon wants that answer. So do I. We'll find out next on 9870 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Jeff Passon on the Michael K. Show. So, Jeff, what happened with Carlos Correa and the Mets? It's a lot of money to spend on a guy who 
is going to make your team better, no question. But I think the way that teams inside the game look at the game of baseball is that if you are a playoff team, if you are good enough to make the playoff, the difference between winning like 92 games and 105 games during the regular season is kind of negligible because October is a small sample. It is a crapshoot. The best team does not always win. And accordingly, the idea that you're going to be playing for all of these extra wins, all these marginal wins that, uh, frankly, you don't need to get you into the dance in October and that you would pay tens upon, uh, you know, maybe in Steve Golden's hundreds of millions of dollars a year for that. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so I always thought that Carlos Correa was a luxury for the Mets as opposed to a necessity. And I think that in the end, when you're buying a luxury item and you feel like it's broken, what are you going to do? You return the thing. And what Steve Cohen and the Mets, I think, wanted was a significant discount on Carlos Correa. And it was one that, in the end, they just weren't going to get at the cost that they were putting out there. That's interesting what Jeff had to say, Gordon, because there, there were some Mets fans who, when this first happened, said that, yeah, we needed another bat, there's no question, but a, a player like Carlos Correa was almost like overkill, right? That that you may, you needed another bat, but you didn't need a bat like that kind of a bat. And obviously, if you're Steve Cohen, you want the best player available. If he's the best player available, it's not overkill to you. From what Jeff Passon is saying is, from, from what he's heard from his sources, they just, he was flawed enough that they weren't willing to pull another trigger unless they were able to get some assurances of maybe some more longevity for that money. And so now for them, they're going to have to rely on their pitching like they did last year, Gordon. But once again, hopefully by the trade deadline, they'll find a way, or maybe even before the trade deadline, they'll have to come up with a way to get some more, you know, some, some punch in that lineup. They may be in the same shopping list as what the Yankees are. You, you mentioned Brian Reynolds. Maybe they're in the Brian Reynolds situation. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do, but I think for right now, they're going to take the team the way it is and find a way during the season to try to improve it. It does seem like the Mets thought because of the situation with the failed physical with the Giants and the failed physical with the Mets that they were going to be able to drive a harder bargain in this and, you know, thinking to themselves almost, you know, well, you know, if it's not us, who's it going to be? And, and the twins stepped up and I look, maybe the twins made a terrible mistake here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a very good possible, you know, if, if, if he goes into this season and he's hurt and he's been hurt some, he's not yes, exactly, he uh, he's not exactly the iron horse uh, in terms of, of, of availability. Uh, if, if that turns out to be the case, yeah, they're, they're in uh, and they're in major trouble. Absolutely. But uh, yeah. I do think clearly the Mets are going, you know, for, for Jeff to say the Mets didn't need him, the owner felt like they did. Yeah. The sure. owner said that they did. Mm-hmm. They needed another piece. So when yeah. you get that piece, we uh, remains to be seen. Yep. And now Gordon's been waiting. Harvey's been waiting. Oh, A lot of Yankee wait. fans have been waiting. Yeah. Jeff Passan, who's in left field for the Yankees opening day? I don't think it's going to be Brian Reynolds. They have good young players right now. How about we let the good young players play and see what they are and try and do what the Yankees did back in the 90s when they were winning World Series, which is draft, sign, develop, and let that talent be the center of your organization as opposed to going out and trying to pay for guys. I'll tell you this. If I were Jeff Passon, I'm happy I wouldn't be saying this in a in a crowded room with a bunch of Yankee fans. <laughs> That's not what they wanted to hear. Let the young kids play, Gordon. Sing well, it, Frankie. Start spreading the news. That's it. 
No Brian Reynolds today. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that Yankee fans mind having some youth on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I don't mind having some. I, look, it can't be Aaron Hicks. And no, unfortunately, no. if Aaron Hicks is in the mix, if there's not a, a better answer than uh, Cabrera in left field, then you know that Aaron Hicks is going to be playing regularly. And those will be wasted at bats. So if you're telling me the Yankees are going to play um, – uh, you know, one of the, the uh, Peraza at shortstop and Oswaldo mm-hmm. Cabrera in left field to start the season. I, I guess I'll be okay with that. You know, mm-hmm. give guys a shot, but it feels like you know, for a team whose expectations is a certain thing, mm-hmm. you know, it's not exactly the most um, locked in in terms. I mean, Cabrera is going to be twenty five, twenty four this year, twenty five this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he showed you some things. He, he was a good glove, not much of yeah. a bat last year, but, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he'll get more of a second go-around. I mean, the first go-around for Aaron Judge, his, his numbers were terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he came up the next year and won Rookie of the Year. So right. we shall see. I don't think Yankee fans have a, a real problem with, uh, with starting with some youth, but they don't want to see Aaron Hicks out there. And unfortunately, if Aaron Hicks is on the team, which he will be, he will be getting plenty of run. And it's almost like if you're saying – you're going to go young at shortstop and left field with Josh Donaldson at third base. Ooh. That's that's three parts of the order right there that are, you know, you're not really relying on a whole lot of offense. Shortstop you can get by with. Left field should not really be a defensive position. How Realistically, for you, realistically, how many games can Stanton play in left field at the stadium? I don't think I don't think it's a lot. I think it's ten. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big left field. I mean, you know, it's left huge. field at Yankee Stadium is a big left field, it man. It's, it you is. gotta you gotta be running out there. So I don't think that they want to risk it, and I don't really blame them for not wanting to risk it because mm-hmm. if he's you know he's not productive when he's not in the order. When he's in no. the order, he's productive. Maybe they mix him in there a little bit, you know, maybe once a week, maybe mm-hmm. once every couple of weeks just to, yeah. to give him a feel for it. But I don't think you know as he gets older, these injuries are going to come more and more often. Yeah, and, and the scary thing is when he's out, he's not out a short amount of time. No, he's gone. When he's out, while. he takes a vacation. <laughs> he does. Yep. It's, it's unfortunate. I mean, if it was a, you know, and I'm sure he wants to be back in there. I'm not saying he's not coming back healthy. I'm not saying he's milking it. It's just because of the type of injuries he has, they're long-term injuries. Yeah, and it's coming off a bad season this past year. I mean, yeah, there's really no way to put it. it. Done. Um, no, he didn't. And it's not like playing him as the DH keeps him healthy either. No, when he's hurt, he's hurt. Yep. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't play three this year. So, how many more years in that contract? Uh, seven. Oh, I'm sorry. That's painful. Yeah, no. I mean, it was a, oh. it was an albatross of a contract. That's why you were able to get him. Yeah, that's why. Roscoe's in Brooklyn. Hey, Roscoe, start us off on ESPN New York tonight. Good evening, Larry. Sound a little disgruntled there. Let's draw the attention on who the Yankees have in left field. Let's draw Donaldson. How about how about this? This organization of yours, once again, full booing it, totally full booing Carlos Correa, because for the past three weeks, Larry and mm-hmm. uh, I've been listening to you guys. You know, I, I just, you know, I'm just like, wow. And all of a sudden, now we want to talk about the New York Yankees. Don't worry about the New York Yankees, guys. All right? We're Roscoe, okay. Roscoe, We're we started with Sitting Carlos Correa. Roscoe, we started with Carlos Correa. Satin is good. Don't worry about Satin. Worry about who you're going to sign next year, the Mets. 
Oh, I don't have to worry about, have to worry about who, we're gonna, who the Mets are going to sign next year? <laughs> what a, Can we play we this year first? <laughs> Made once again. Don't worry about the Yankees, guys. Guys. We're, so we're know, not allowed to talk about guys. the Yankees, Roscoe. Roscoe's, Roscoe's upset at me, Gordon. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure why. Yeah. We're talking baseball. So we talked we about the Mets move yeah. today, and then we threw yeah. in some Yankee stuff because Jeff Passan was on the K show, and nobody mm-hmm. knows the game better, and, and people mm-hmm. are still kind of, you know, it's still kind of out there. Are the Yankees going to make a move for a left fielder? Or are they going to stand pat? Mm-hmm. I, I still think they're going to do something. It may not be Brian Reynolds, as, as Jeff no. Passan says. I don't I think, think they're going to do it. I think they're going to do Cashman always does something at the trade deadline. Might not be well, right well, away. Yeah, that's when it will be. Yeah, yeah they'll do something at the trade deadline. Yeah, they'll absolutely. go into the season. You know, we went out and we brought back Aaron Judge, and we we mm-hmm. went out and we we got Carlos Rodon. So uh, that those are our moves, and uh, we'll, we'll we really like the young guys. We really think that uh, Aaron Hicks is going to bounce back, and we want to see some of the young guys and see what they have. We think Josh Donaldson's due for a big bounce. He's so good defensively. Mm-hmm. And then as we get into the season, we'll see where things stand, and uh, they'll, they'll, you know, there'll be more names. It won't just be Brian Reynolds. There'll probably right. be another name or two that's available. And, and it's great. You give Cabrera a shot in the outfield. Mm-hmm. You know, give him a shot. See what he can do. And maybe he'll surprise you. You may not have to make a move. That'd be great if he if defensively you know he can handle it. If he gives you, I mean, Gordon, what do you take two two sixty two seventy? You I have to up the averages now with the. You know, with the with the defense is not being able to shift as much. Yeah, I mean, if he gives you two sixty two seventy, you'll take that. Yeah, to get I mean, until you can get better, it's better yeah. than Hicks would do. I mean, he was a he was a he was slightly uh, you know he didn't have a huge sample size last year, but during mm-hmm. the regular season, um, he was slightly above average as a player. His OPS uh, plus was one oh nine, so mm-hmm. you know, slightly above break even there. So. Uh, he'll be another year older. He's gotten a little taste of it. He, you know, struggled, I think, in the postseason outside of a bat here or there. So, yeah, I, I don't think that most fans would have an issue with that, but it's just that this is such a glaring need for a while that you would like to see something done to improve the offense because, again, as great as Rodon is, the offense was the issue last year in the playoffs. It was. It really was. 1-800-919-3776. When we return, we'll talk a little football. We'll talk Giants. And, yeah, we'll talk Jets as well. That's next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. When you play a team close all the way to the end, usually the team that makes a few more plays wins the game, and, and they did. So all our preparation will be geared towards uh, that team. They're a fantastic team, well coached, and we're going to have to do a good week of preparation. We'll prepare as hard as we can to uh, go play a really good football team in a hostile environment. That's Brian Dayball. As his Giants head back to Minnesota for the rematch against the Vikings this Saturday. It's ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon, I tell you, when you consider how close that first game was and the Giants had a couple of turnovers in that game, and you also, no disrespect, it's just commenting on what we've seen, and Kirk Cousins will always give you an opportunity to take a couple, to throw a couple to your guys, you gotta, you got to feel good if you're the Giants that you got a shot to go up there and win a game. Well, based on, yeah, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, right? It was a few weeks ago. They just played there. 
you're right. I mean, I don't think there's a high level of confidence in Kirk Cousins, and I don't think there's a high level of confidence in the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings are the poster children for the NFL fraud team of the year. They are not what their record says they are. Now, it's great that they won some close games, but if you could give truth serum to every team in the NFC or in the NFL, I think if you ask them, truth be told, who do you want to face in the if you have to play a first round playoff game, who do you want to face? I think the Dolphins would be one of them. I think the Seahawks would be one of them, but that would make sense because they're the two last seeds. Mm-hmm. If you take those two teams out, I, I don't even think it's close. I think everybody would want to play the Vikings. Yeah. Defensively, though, I will give them their respect. They're pretty good uh, defensively, and really. For Wink Martindale, the big thing is he's got to find a way to see if he can, you know, scheme Justin Jefferson out of, uh, you know, the out of killing them on big plays. That's the secret. Yep, that's that's a challenge, no question. Um, that is absolutely a challenge. I mean, I, I mean, they 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 were able to do it in the first matchup where he didn't kill him, right? It wasn't like he was a one man wrecking crew and and ruined the game. I mean, they lost mm-hmm. on a sixty one yard field goal at the gun, so yeah. they were right there. Um, they've had basically now two weeks to get ready for this game. They knew who they were almost certainly going to play even before this past weekend, but now, you know, they've known now for two weeks. So um, they got to go get it done. Yeah. And Daniel Jones, Gordon, can make, oh, a couple more million if he plays well this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the numbers do seem like they – and who knows if any of these numbers are anywhere close to being accurate. But, yeah, I mean, if he goes out there and play, wins a playoff game, absolutely. I mean, think about what he's done already this year with the the, the motley crew of receivers and skill mm-hmm. position players. I mean, that, that's already impressive. Now you go and win a playoff game. Yeah. That, yeah, I would think it would have to make him some more money, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what's interesting is uh, he's finding ways with some young receivers to, to make some plays for him. You know, you've got some young receivers, a couple of tight ends who found a way to make some plays. And listen, uh, it's, it's really we've said it over and over again. We're not the only people who have said it. What Dayball has done with this team is just remarkable that they are in this spot. It just is. Really is. Oh, I mean, uh, he's the coach of the year. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of these conversations that are going on right now because it does seem like this year there's more good candidates for, you know, great coaching jobs from Jacksonville to, you know, this team to that team. Um, But I I don't think any team has gotten more out of less than Brian. (laughs) I mean, Brian Dable basically took over the Giants from last year Mm -hmm. with, you know, a little tweak here or there but took over that team and took that team to the playoffs. Yeah. Yep. And turned around the quarterback in a season. Yeah. To the point that's going to cost them some money. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, they bet against them, right? I mean, the yeah. Giants did not – they were not willing to pick up that fifth-year option if they had that choice to do over again. I think <laughs> clearly they would have now. Sure, sure. I'm still curious how they – I guess you have to bring Barkley back, Gordon. I, I know you're kind of lukewarm to that, but I think you almost have to bring him back. It, it depends on money, I think, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it depends on how you want to build your team. Do you really want to be sinking a lot of money into a second contract for a running back who's been banged up a lot? He's been banged up this year. Now, when he plays, he's sensational. Mm-hmm. But are, are the Giants at the stage where a running back is um, is you want to talk about luxury items? I think that's a luxury item. Yeah. And it, it, it kind of depends. 
Like, what's the most important thing to Saquon? Is, is, is it important to Saquon to remain a giant, or is it the most important thing to, for Saquon to get the best contract? Because if it's the best contract, if he wants the most money, I think the Giants would be smart to hold back mm-hmm. and let him go someplace else. Mm-hmm. And you can go find a running back. Again, uh, I think it was the last 13 years, Super Bowl-winning teams, their running back, the average salary for a running back on a Super Bowl-winning team over the last 13 years is a million dollars. The leading rusher. Yeah. Man, it's crazy. Right? I mean, a million bucks. Just take a look at what NFL teams spend money on. Outside of kicker and punter, running back is the lowest position, I believe. Hmm. Not good if you're a running back. (laughs) <laughs> and, and and the other thing we got to keep in mind with the Giants, like it's amazing what they've done this year, but like in terms of the actual building of the team for the future, a lot of that still has to be done. Yeah. Like what is this team, like what you envision this team being moving forward. It's not, I don't think that they're just like a wide receiver away or a, a skill position, you know, a pass catcher away mm-hmm. from now. Say, I think that the work is still now they've been able to do a lot this year where the list of keepers is far more than we thought going into the season. And and the job that Brian Dable has done has been amazing. But Joe Shane's work is just beginning. Yeah. Oh, no, there's no question about it. And really, it kind of, in a weird way, it sets him back a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you, yeah, I mean, you don't draft, care about that. From a draft right? standpoint. Yeah. No, you oh, don't. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know what? Like, here's the thing. You don't – like, if, if this year turns out to be a fluke, you don't get to say, well, we gave you this <laughs> – no, you've just raised the expectations moving forward. You don't get to go back and say, no, we, we gave you a, a playoff game last year. We may, maybe even gave you a playoff win last year. Cut us some slack this year. People are, the expectations have been raised now because of what they've been able to do. And now it's a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. yeah, no, the, the expectations are now raised for uh, the Giants moving forward. Especially, yeah. this is a very, to me, this is a very winnable game. Like they always say, oh, like absolutely. home field advantage is three points. Well, yeah. that's what it is. They got three points, and you got Kirk Cousins, who's won one playoff game in his career. Yeah, you're due, and you know you, you got a great shot. Just all don't go on do... a boat trip this week, all right, guys? Just <laughs> stare clear of the ocean. Well, I think that Minnesota. I, I think they got a good shot. I think got a good shot of staying on land. Got a good shot. I think Minnesota has more shoreline than California. Yeah. And they got more cold they weather. They got all those lakes. Yeah, they right. Do. They got all those lakes. True. So maybe not the ocean. Just stay away from the, any body of water. Stay yes. away from it. That's right. Don't do it. Don't do it. When we return, Joe Douglas was on the Michael K. Show, Gordon. Oh, they, he has a lot of questions. I can't wait to hear what he has to say about the offensive line and the quarterback. We'll hear from Joe Douglas to... Jets GM next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. It doesn't matter if you're a first-round pick or a seventh-round pick. You know, we want to see a player's development through, and we don't want to make knee-jerk reactions after one or two years. Um, you know, I know Robert talks about it. I believe it as well. You want to give you want to give these guys time to develop. You know, coach talks about three years a lot, and I and I agree with them. And, you know, a lot of these young men that come in the league, they don't all develop at the same rate. You know, I think you've seen some rookies come in right away and light the world on fire. You've seen some guys take a long time. You know, sometimes they end up taking longer than their, their rookie contract. So, uh, but we're going to do everything in our power to help Zach reach his potential right here. That's the Jets general manager, Joe Douglas, on the Michael K. Show, talking about his 
Number two pick last year, Zach Wilson. It's hard to stay in Damon until the top of the hour. Then it's Freddie and Fitzsimmons on 98.7 ESPN. And Gordon, it sounds like uh, that's the company line right now, that they are working with him to come back. Um, although clearly he's not the starting quarterback on this team next year. They will go out and find somebody, a veteran or somebody else to start. Although I will say this, and I'll get your thoughts in a second. I'm a little, I'm a little uneasy about these rumors I'm hearing about. What would the Jets do to try to get Justin Fields? If Justin Fields was that good, why is Chicago trading him? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they think that they can get a a giant haul for him, right? I mean, if they if they like the quarterbacks that are coming out this year, if there's a guy that they like better than Justin Fields, um, or, or if they think that might be as good as Justin, if you like cover your bases, right? If you have the number one pick, but I, I think that that's unlikely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, look with the with the Jets. It's almost like you got to almost kind of have to forget about Zach Wilson. Yeah. You know, let him go do whatever he's got to do, work with him. Like, how much are they going to do with him as a backup quarterback? Not much. Not much. Like, again, it's, it's, I, I really feel like their, their plan to develop him is like when there's something wrong with the, the Wi-Fi in the house. I shut it off. I turn it back on. I hope it works. If it doesn't, I'm out of ideas. Yeah. And it kind of feels like they're out of ideas. So um, at this point, he cannot be the starting quarterback next year. No. You have to go out and find somebody who else who is. And, and if he eventually gets a chance at somewhere down the road and he's good, well, then fantastic. But you can't, you can't hope for it. You can't expect it. You just got to have to – if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Joe Douglas, were the quarterback issues personnel or coaching? Here's what he had to say. If you go back and think, I'm not sure are there things we could have done better just in terms of helping Zach, I'm sure. But I know you guys talked to Robert, and I'm going to echo a lot of what Robert said. I mean, obviously, we know the talent that Zach is. It hasn't blossomed to his potential yet. We're not giving up on his development. We're going to have a big conversation moving forward. And when we talk about improving the team, it's the offense, the every single position room, and, and you know how we can upgrade this team moving forward, just the, the entire team. And uh, I think when you when you talk about the last few weeks that we've had, you can't pin it just on one person. So I think it's, like I said, you have to have some difficult conversations about how we got here and, and build a plan accordingly. No, there's no question about that. When you lose six in a row, it's not one position that made you lose six in a row. They they Everybody started playing badly, Gordon. There's, there's, no, there's no two ways about it. The, the defense wasn't as good, wasn't as consistent as it was earlier. Uh, the quarterback play was awful and – the offensive line, which we'll touch on in a second, wasn't good at all. So, you know, there's a bunch of different things that uh, Joe Douglas has got to look at and try to fix for next season. Yeah, it's a long list. And and unfortunately, it's not just a long list. It's a list with, like, the most important things are their most important things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, quarterback is the hardest thing to figure out. And now they have to go do that, uh, you know, two years after drafting a quarterback that they thought was going to be their long-term solution. Yeah, it's it's a real mess. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know what's going to end up happening with the offensive coordinator, but this kind of shows you why you're crazy if you hire anything but an offensive head coach. Yeah. Yep. Because now, all right, let's say they get rid of LaFleur. Now they're going to bring somebody else in here to work with Zach, right? They have one year basically to, to, to do that because everybody's on the line next year. So what what can what kind of candidates are you going to get for your offensive coordinator's job when they know they're coming here to work with Zach Wilson and 
there's basically a playoff mandate to win or else next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if, then, then if you stay with the, the, the quarterback, if you stay with the offensive coordinator, well, then you're not really changing anything. Nope. Nope, you're not. You're not. I, I'm very curious to hear this because I, I came in and I, they had already asked this question. So when I saw it on our sheet, I was fascinated. This is a Joe Douglas weighing in on the team wearing the Mike, you know, white T-shirts. I didn't even notice that when we were boarding the plane. But look, in any situation like that, you try to put yourself in another person's shoes. But look, I do know that Zach has teammates that have his back and that do think the world of him and, and support him. And we, me, Robert, the entire organization, it's, it's, it's our responsibility to do a better job of supporting him as well. So that, that's going to be what we talk about moving forward. All right, so uh, sounds like he wasn't a big fan of it, Gordon. Well, everything in hindsight, right? Nobody mm-hmm. put a stop to it at the time. Nope. And it do- you know, like, remember we were talking about, like, when he was – when Zach continued to play in the, the second Patriot game, we're like, well, you know, that was the chance for the coach to make the change, but yeah. obviously it wasn't the coach's decision. Mm-hmm. The more I listen to Joe Douglas, it doesn't seem like it's Joe Douglas's call either on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. feels like it's coming from above. All right, well, let's see that. He was asked about Woody Johnson's involvement in decisions. We're all unhappy about how the season played out, and we're all competitive. Woody's very competitive. No one wants to win more than Woody. But I think at the same time, he's given us a lot of support, and this past offseason, we went out and we made a lot of moves in free agency. Uh, he supported us through those decisions. And so I feel like he's been very supportive of both me and Robert, and we need to finish, like Robert said. We need to, we need to finish, finish games and finish the season. Well, one way you can finish the season, Gordon, is to tighten up that offensive line. And here's what Joe Douglas had to say about the O-line this year and what he's got to do next year. Obviously, when we talk about consistency and stability on the offense, that's certainly a position where we didn't we didn't have a lot of consistency and stability just in a starting lineup standpoint. You know, I, I don't even know the number of different starting lineups we had. It seemed like we had a revolving door at tackle, uh, but we need to get to the point where you know, the best offensive lines in the, in the National Football League, they play together consistently. They're on the field together consistently, and we need to get to that point, and we need to develop that level of consistency if we're going to achieve our goals. So that's it's going to be a big thing moving forward, and you know, obviously, um, it's it's always a priority for us. And we didn't have the, the stability and consistency that we needed this year. No question about that. And Gordon, when I spoke to Rich Cimini, uh the night of the loss down in Miami, the one thing that he talked about was that the Jets really need to, and he's absolutely right. They got to get younger in this offensive line. The, they've got veterans, and they've got veteran backups, and veterans and veteran backups. Gordon in the trenches, they, they look, everybody gets injured in the National Football League, but you know, they're a little more susceptible to injury. Uh, so they really have to do a better job on this offensive line. And Gordon, I mean, how many years have we been saying this about oh this offensive gosh. line? I mean, it goes back, it, it goes, it goes past, it goes past McCagnan. <laughs> right. You know, it goes past him. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been forever. Uh, and you know, it's great that they, you know, uh, Mackay Becton is saying, you know, big things are expected next year and mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't tell me you cannot count on that guy. No, you can absolutely not count on that guy. Uh, Lake and Tomlinson seems like it was an absolute, I thought it was a good signing. Uh, I kind of hoped my team was going to sign him. That's been a bust of a signing. Yeah. Uh, Hasn't worked. you know, right tackle, um, between nope. fans and, um, 
Brown. I, I mean, it, it, it's all well and good to say you got to get younger along the offensive line. But the problem is they don't have the time. Next mm-hmm. year, they have to be in the playoffs next year. Yep. So I don't know. It's almost like they have so much to do now on this offense to they fix. They got a lot of work. And, and the biggest question, the two biggest questions, you got to figure out who's going to be the quarterback and how we're going to protect them. Yep. That's all. That's it. That's it. That's easy. No problem. And you know what? The offensive line is almost more egregious than screwing up the quarterback. Yes, it is. There's no question. Because yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of guys you could have had and you, yeah, you keep missing. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's all – and it's like, you know, you expect there to be – now, not to the level that Zach struggled, but you expect there to be struggles with a young quarterback. You would have mm-hmm. think that the, 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 the offensive – the former offensive lineman who's now the GM – He'd be hitting, and the amount of resources they've sunk into this thing, draft picks and trades and signings, and I mean, it's unbelievable. It's been bad. It hasn't worked. It has not worked. Buddha's in the Bronx. What's up, Buddha? Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm listening to you, and I've been listening all day, and, you know, about Justin Fields coming to the Jets, possibly. I think that that's absolutely asinine at this point, you know, for many reasons. Uh, first reason is uh, I wouldn't even want that to happen to that brother. <laughs> I like him a lot. I, I really, I mean, please, don't do something like that to him. He deserves better. You know, the funniest part is I, I don't know, you know, before the before the draft, you know, I wanted Eric Bieniemy and I wanted Justin Fields. And, you know, I'm looking at Eric Bieniemy on the sidelines with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. And there's been times that he's getting in the face of, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's not going to work here. I mean, we got a coach here who lets you uh, late hit the quarterback, <laughs> jump off sides on fourth and inches. I mean, I don't think Eric enemy style is going to play well here. He doesn't look to me like the kind of guy that's going to deal with that kind of nonsense. But, um, you know, Woody Johnson is very upset after the game, and I just wonder who he's upset with, himself for forcing him to draft his nephew or, um, you know, just the whole entire situation with the Jets. I mean, I love Joe Douglas to death. I mean, Teflon Joe. He's going to get it right this year, guys. Don't worry. That offensive line is going to be great. And like a Bart Scott said, and like you just said a second ago, uh, Gordon, listen, everything's going to be fixed when Makai Beckton comes back next year. I mean, <laughs> God, you know something, guys. Come on. Like, seriously, at this point, the Jets are actually – they're a comedy show. And the funniest part about it is we all know Rob Sal is going to get fired next year. You know, look at the schedule that they have. You know, the schedule was bad this year. <laughs> They're playing the NFC East and the AFC West. Good luck with that. Uh, it, all I'll say is this much, man. I mean, I don't know who the quarterback's going to be next year, but just tell me, if I'm an offensive coordinator, what in the world would I want to take this job for with a lame duck coach and an owner who wants to involve himself in football decisions? I mean, listen, guys. I love the Jets, but like I told you a while ago, um, they're not going to do this to me repeatedly over and over and over again. You know, I'm going to do my Rip Van Winkle, and somebody wake me up when the Jets are actually a functioning organization 
and the playoffs are not a rumor but an expectation. I love y'all to death, man. Have a good night, guys. All right, Bula. Thanks for the phone call. Thank you. 1-800-919-3776. Gordon, there's been some changes in the NBA. Kevin Durant is out. We'll talk about that. And how did the Knicks lose that game last night, Gordon? Yeah. Gordon, how did they lose that game last night? I mean, Jalen Brunson had 44. How do you lose that game? We'll rehash it next on 98.7 ESPN. Bing bong. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. I'm going to be looking at Kyrie Irving, okay? And I feel like this is a golden opportunity for Kyrie Irving to prove to the world that he could be a number one option team that could lead a team into victories, right? Because when you think about him and you think about, you know, his skill set, we know he's a walking bucket. We know he's one of the most skilled guys to ever play the game of basketball. Basketball. But I want to see him also get others involved. I want to see, can he be that leader, right? Can he be that voice? We saw Kevin Durant start to be that voice, start to, you know, take Claxton under his wing, start to be a second voice to Jock Vaughn. Can Kyrie Irving be that number one guy while Kevin Durant is out? That was our Kendrick Perkins talking about Kevin Durant's injury. And who's going to take the lead on the Nets? Hardesty and Damon until the top of the hour on 98.7 ESPN. And Gordon, it's an interesting scenario, right? It comes at a bad time because not that injuries come at a good time, but especially here, the Nets have been rolling. They've been one of the hottest teams in the NBA. And all this stuff, everybody's been, you know, we haven't been focusing in on all the dysfunction and the problem that was going on in the offseason and the start of this season. They've really come around. Kevin Durant's put this team on his back. He's got people focused. Jacques Vaughn's done a tremendous job. And the team is winning. So now the question is, how do they keep this team afloat? Yeah, this has been one of the issues the last few years has been injuries as well. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, it's not uh, it's not ideal. Uh, but, uh, look, I think if the Nets just focus on the basketball, they look, they might drop down a little bit, right? They're second in the East right now. Uh, maybe they fall behind the Bucks. Maybe they fall behind the Cavaliers here because we saw last year, right? Like, they mm-hmm. were in great shape. I think were they the number one seed last year? Yeah, they were top, yeah. And then Durant got hurt, and then they, you know, they fell apart. Um, mm-hmm. You have to hope that that doesn't happen again this year. Uh, but if they focus on the basketball, they just focus on basketball. They have enough talent to be a really good team, and that I think has been one of the major things here that's happened during this stretch where they've just it hasn't been about outside issues. It hasn't been about Kyrie doing this or Ben Simmons doing that. It's just been about the basketball. So if they can focus on that, uh, I think that they should be okay. I agree with you. Wodes has a timeline for KD to return. I'm told that this is an injury that uh, the Nets and uh, the medical staff do not expect to keep him out uh, more than a month. And so you're looking at about a four-week timeline for Kevin Durant. The, the injury is less severe than that MCL sprain he had on the other knee. Well, that's good news <laughs> because you can't lose him for a long period of time. You know, you can't. And a month, listen, a month is not, you know, we'll see what happens, but a month is not a short period of time, but it's clearly not as long as he was out last year with, with the, as Wolves mentioned on the other knee. So, you know, if they just hold the, if they can just stay afloat, Gordon, this would be, this would be a great opportunity for some younger players who aren't getting a chance to play to show what they can do to add some depth to the team. And then, you know, when you go down the stretch and your veterans start to need a, a blow or a day off or a game off or something of that nature, you got some guys with some experience that could come in and help you out. Yeah. Um, 
and and we got what about a month to go before the trade deadline as mm-hmm. well. So this is a, an important time of the season. Uh, and you know, the top of the East, it's those five teams. They're all bunched up: Celtics, the Nets, the Bucks, the Cavs, and the Sixers. Yeah. Um, Celtics have a little bit of, of wiggle room, but everybody else is pretty much all bunched up there. So it would not surprise me if the Nets go from two to five or six. But um, you know, if they can get the most important thing is to get these guys healthy and back in time before the playoffs start and have them healthy in the postseason to give it another run. Yeah. So no question uh, about you know it. we say it's not a great time for injuries. It's never a good time. It's better now than later. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Yep. That's right. That's right. And speaking of the top five teams, the number six team last night, Gordon had a tremendous opportunity to to have a very a quality win on their home floor, and they're up seventeen in the third. I get it's Milwaukee. I get Giannis and what he brings to the table, but Giannis was not Giannis last night, and unfortunately for them, uh, offensively, Julius Randle was not Julius Randle. He's had a great season, an off night last night. But the thing that really happened to the Knicks. The flashback, and Tom Thibodeau talked about it, not defending the three. Some of it was, you know, some game plan stuff that, you know, we have to square away. So, and we'll take a look at, you know, the, the ones that did what we were supposed to do. But uh, there were a, a few that were created because of overhelp that shouldn't have happened. Bing bong. And that comes from Gordon, in some cases, a mismatch where you've got taller guys shooting over shorter guys. And while the footwork is there, the ability to, you know, impede the, the eye of the, of the shooter is not there. So, uh, and, and good passing, too, by, by a, a Milwaukee Buck team that you have to acknowledge Giannis. And when he, you double him and he passes the ball out and you got open threes, you got to get back out there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was the old bugaboo last night, uh, for sure, especially down the stretch. I mean, they hit a bunch of threes um, and, and just uh, and just killed it. Drew Holiday had a bunch of them, oh. um, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, I, I, at the end of the – look, I get it. It's a very frustrating loss because it was right there. You had the lead in the third quarter. Um, I almost feel like sometimes pe- there's a certain part of the media now that, like, when the Knicks lose a game like that – and again – should they have closed that game out? Yes, probably. And is their record at home disappointing? Absolutely. But I don't know, man. Like, I don't know what people are really expecting out of the Knicks. This is about, like, if you're expecting more than what the Knicks have done through the first half of the season, I think you're just setting yourself up to be disappointed mm-hmm. because they've, they've done, uh, this has been pretty, like, if I told you before the season, halfway through the year, the Knicks would be three or four games over 500. I think anybody, I, I know I would assign for that. Sure. You would have. I just think, Gordon, when you look at the Knicks and you realize that you understand that they have talent limitations, it's clear they do. Mm-hmm. The fact that Evan Fournier is back in the rotation tells you that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, but you look at, at a Knicks team, and the one thing you kind of hang your hat on with them is, okay, we know that we know we only have a couple of really good scorers, but it, the defense is the thing that you kind of hang your hat on with this team. It's supposed and, to be. Yeah, and you're not beating. They gave up 38 points in the fourth quarter. You're not winning games giving up 38 points in the fourth quarter. You're just not. I mean, they yeah. held them in check a lot. And once again, I get it. It's Milwaukee. Milwaukee is one of the one of the pre, one of the premier teams in basketball, not just in the conference, in Eastern Conference, in basketball. And they're not healthy. <laughs> Wait till they get healthy again. Mm-hmm. You know, but but you know, you here you are. You got a 17 point lead, and this is why you brought. And I'm not blaming him. 
But this is why you brought Jalen Brunson in, right? This is why, because you wanted, you gave away games like this before. And now you've got a guy here who, and he, listen, he, he couldn't do nothing else. He had 44 points last night. There's nothing else he could do. Only had three turnovers. But, you, you know, it was the night that Julius Randle had an off night. It happens. I mean, it was 9 of 29. Gordon was 1 of 12 from three. So it was just, it was one of those nights, but it's it's for them, it's just man when you when you really need them to come together and find a way to just be competitive late, you just want to see them graduate from not blowing leads in late in games, especially at home. You realize the talent, you get that, you understand it, and now you put the game behind you and you see what happens when you play Indiana tomorrow night. Yeah, the Knicks, I mean, in games, in the season, their margin for error is razor thin. It is. Because of the talent issues that they have. And, and I mean, for Brunson, I mean, we've said it a billion oh. times. I mean, how good of a signing has this been? I mean, you could not have asked for anything more from this guy. And um, you just hope he has to keep it up, right? Because, I mean, even with him playing as well as he's played, Knicks are sitting here three games over five. You know, they're not ten games over 500. Yeah. And the, there's very little – I mean, we talk about the, the top of the conference being bunched up. The, the bottom of the conference is kind of bunched up. You know, you can go from yeah. 7 to 10 very quickly. Sure can. Sure can. And and they don't want to be in that spot. They've, they've seen that before. <laughs> you, you know, like, like you said, you really – you don't want – you don't want to play in spot. You don't want that. You want to – your goal in, and I don't. Once again, we've had this conversation, Gordon. I don't know. I don't know that they're not talented enough for me to be to say they're locked in as a six seed. Okay, they're no. playing well. You give them credit for what they're able to do. The fact that they're a six seed is great. I'm happy. You know, so Larry's always complaining about the Knicks. I'm not. I'm. You know, I enjoy it. It's just that when you have an opportunity like that, Gordon, think, what does that do to your young players? What does that do for your team to beat a Milwaukee Bucks team that you're owning? In your own building, it's just those are the opportunities that you you. Yeah, you got to cash in. You got to cash in on those because that team is better than you. No question. Yeah. So if you could steal that one, that man, you feeling good. But you know it didn't happen, so you put that behind you and you get ready for Indiana tomorrow. And Gordon, that's where we'll leave off because that's when we'll join the fans again tomorrow night following the Knicks. Hopefully, we've got uh, something positive to talk about tomorrow. Yeah, better win tomorrow because you know, yeah. as we said, it's very that that bottom half is bunched up, man. And you know, three game losing skid can change the can change the whole outlook. No question about it. All right, my friend, be good on the radio. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. Sounds good, Larry. That wraps up this edition of ESPN New York tonight. We thank you for joining us. Harvey, Julian, thank you very much. Great job as always. Up next, it's Freddie and Fitzsimmons. They'll continue the conversation right here on 98.7 ESPN New York.